This episode of Ghosted in West Virginia is brought to you by Right Live. Weddings, private events, band and DJ bookings, live sound, and more. Contact Right Live for all your event needs. We are dedicated to providing entertainment, promotion, production for all of your special events. Contact them at rightliveevents.com, rightliveevents at gmail.com, or on Facebook at Right Live. Until then, enjoy Ghosted by Right Live. Hey guys, it is I from Gro- Alec from Ghosted in West Virginia. I'm just here to tell you that if you want to help Ghosted uh, become the podcast that you, you know it can be, rate, review, and follow wherever you listen to our podcast and spread the show around. All right, let's really get a lot of people in our graveyard. Let's go, folks. You're listening to Ghosted in West Virginia. Obsessors, oppressors, and possessors. It is I, your humble host, Alec McCann. And with me, as always, Julia. Just the normal Julia. No weird voices. No excitement today. No! That's because we're on our way to to a slide. And we're driving 45 minutes to get to this slide. Stop it. But we do have an assortment of scary stories to tell you. But first, before we get into the scary stories, allow us to tell you about our live event that is happening Tuesday. So Tuesday is Halloween, and as per our tradition, Halloween night, we are going to be doing a live show on YouTube this time. So join our YouTube page, uh, uh, Ghosted in West Virginia, and it's got our logo. You'll also see all of our shorts, but we're going to do our live, what? So it will not be on Facebook. It will not be on Facebook. Do not look for it on Facebook. It's going to be on YouTube um, because now that we have the channel, we need to utilize the channel for more than just shorts. uh, This is actually us venturing into seeing how to do video podcasting so that we can uh, grow our presence. That being said... Um, we also will also have a recorded version for you guys that will uh, come out on the first uh, of November because I'm, I'm not going to record an episode and not put it out. That would be yeah. terrible uh, for me. 
Oh, there's Irina Barrett. Uh, she is a dog, dog abuser, and we are passing her. Where are we right now? So we can tell people where we are. It's North Mountain on Route 55. North Mountain on Route 55. She's got a bunch of Dobermans and French Bulldogs down there. I used to work for her, and she used to tell me to just hit them with sticks if they started to, you know, get a little rambunctious. And her court is coming up. Yes, I believe she said, or someone said something about her trying to skip town. Yeah, and go back to Russia. Yeah, so, uh, plus Russians suck. If, if you we have her, hit her with a stick. Yes, hit her with a stick. <laughs> and uh, by the way, when I say Russians suck, I don't mean the Russians that live here in the U.S. Except for her. You, yeah, except for her. The, the Russians that came here and are law-abiding citizens that don't uh, abuse dogs and just have a normal job, you guys rock because you realized you were in a bad situation and you came into a better situation. Not that much better uh, as time goes on, but better. Now, the first story that we have is actually a ghost ship. Ooh. Yeah, I was excited about this. Uh, it's Mary Celeste. Now, there is a movie about uh, this. It stars Gary Oldman. Uh, who played Jim Gordon in the Dark Knight movies. I don't know if you ever watched those Batman movies. Did you see Air Force One? No. Did you see Harry Potter? Yes. He's Sirius Black. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the Mary Celeste was a large... Uh, I don't know exactly how to say this word, but I'm going to try. I'm going to say it like an Italian. Brigante. It's brigantine. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> Uh, merchant ship that was built in New York by Joshua Dewis Shipbuilders, which was just a company. It wasn't like Joshua was like, I'm going to build this ship. And it's just his name. Like Noah? No, Noah <laughs> built the ship. <laughs> no, I'm saying Joshua wasn't like Noah. Oh, right, right, right. He right. just built his own ship. So on December 4th, 1872, the Mary Celeste was discovered sailing without any crew. The family of the three the family of the three that had been aborted, along with the seven crewmen, had vanished into thin air. Theorists have pondered the mystery of the Mary Celeste for years, and among many people, uh, there is a belief that the ship was doomed and those that stepped aboard were cursed. So you have the... Uh, you have the so here it, it, the Mary Celeste isn't even its actual like its original name. The original name of Mary Celeste was Amazon, and her first captain was Robert McClellan. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but I think I am. Sounds right. Uh, the son of one of the ship's owners, and then nine days after taking command, McClellan contracted pneumonia. His health deteriorated rapidly, and he died aboard the Amazon in the early uh, stages of her maiden voyage. So he was like, I'm captain. <laughs> Not for long. He got the, he got the early COVID. Right. I mean, that, was, that was before they had the COVID. They were like, let's get the pneumonia. That's the Wonder Woman theme song. What you were just listening to. Our son is in the back, Mr. Ryan. He doesn't wish to speak, though, do you? Do you want to talk? No? All right. He's the quiet kid. It's, That'll always make me giggle. <laughs> but he don't have guns. That's right. that's the good thing. The next captain, John... Oh, man. When I wrote this name down, I, I cracked up for like five minutes. So when I say this name, you're going to know exactly my age mentally. John Nutting 
13. <laughs> Maybe even 12. <laughs> because it says John Nutting Parker. And I almost put John Nutting on Parker. And I was like, that's not how you say that name. Um, but John Nutting Parker shared the same fate when he took position of, aboard the ship. Wait, did he get pneumonia? No. No, that's not the story, unfortunately. It would be funny if it was just Captain Africa. Every pneumonia. every captain that takes uh, command of the ship just gets pneumonia nine days later. Because the ship's like, no, I just drift in the sea. That's what I do. Right. But... Soon after setting sail, the Amazon collided with a small fishing boat, resulting in him having to return to shore for repairs. While the ship was docked, a vicious fire broke out, killing Parker and several of the crew. Later, the ship set sail for a third time with the new captain at the helm. Disaster struck as the Amazon sailed across the Atlantic, colliding again with a vessel. I'm starting to think that maybe they're just getting a ship, getting drunk, and then being like, oh. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of, in that time frame, that's what they did. Yeah, they got drunk and, and, and boarded ships. And, they're pirates. And in my mind, I'm like, first of all, I think about getting seasick and then being drunk on top of it. And it makes me nauseous to even think about it. Well, also think about this. This is the 1800s and... They had river pirates back then. Yeah. If we remember the Matthias Ham House, there were there were pirates on them rivers. Not that I I'm, I don't even know if that has anything to do with this. I think the Mary Celeste was a sea vessel, not a river vessel. But either way, um, so the impact of the crash was so great that the captain perished once again, along with a few of his colleagues. Now it was clear that the ship carried some sort of evil spirit. Uh, to people. They were like, ah, something's attached to the ship. That's why people keep dying. Um, and, and a lot of people were like, well, we're not going to captain this ship anymore because anybody that captains this ship dies. They have not had one living captain yet. Um, so, <clears throat> after a few years, the Amazon becomes renamed to Mary Celeste and a name that the owners thought would just mark, you know, this is the end of the deadly ship. This is, it's Mary now. It's not Amazon. It's not a cruel uh, mistress that's ready to kill you with an anaconda, an alligator, or malaria. This it's is, a nice it's a nice lady. Her name is Mary Celeste, and she is a proper gal. She's from aristocracy. Um, however, on November 5th, 1872, the Mary Celeste set sail on its last voyage from New York City headed to Genoa, Italy. Now, I've never even seen That's pictures. I've not well, I've never seen pictures of Genoa. Have you seen pictures of Genoa? I've never really researched Italy. Oh, that's right. Italy's a beautiful country. I wish we could go. It is. But remember, Carolyn went and she talked about how awful the heat was. She threw up. That yeah, was but me. Carolyn is also like super white. Like no, me. no offense, Carolyn. You're just the heat affects you differently. I'm not saying it's bad to be white. I'm just like saying. Me. Yeah, but we I'll could get there and throw up. We'll too. we'll put you in some like tanning lotion, and it'll cre- it'll create an image inside your brain that you're actually Italian. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it's European. Why not? We could trick your brain into thinking you're Italian. I'm Italian. I'll rub it off on you. I'm also Middle Eastern, so I'll rub all that off on you. 
I don't think they heard that part, so it's all right. <laughs> it was captained by 37-year-old Benjamin Spooner Briggs, BSB. I like people that have their first name start with a letter and then their last name starts with that. I like that alliteration, like yeah. Peter Parker, P-P. Clark Kent. Well, it's the same sound for that one. What what's another one that we can think of? Uh, there's it's always a Ryan comic book. Ryan Reynolds. Ryan uh, Reynolds. There's always, but it's always like a comic book character. Wade Wilson. There we go. That's Deadpool. I figured if we're going with Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool, that works. Walter White. Walter White. <laughs> Alliteration is the best. That's why we should have named Oliver uh, uh, Max. Max McCann. That's Aww. that's pretty good, right? That's pretty good. That'll be for our next baby that we don't have. Next baby, we already have a Max McCann. No, remember that I said that we don't have. No, it's okay. We have Max McCann already. We do have Maxie. And he's a pest. I wish we could get rid of him sometimes. But he is so sweet. I've got. I've softened up on him. I've softened up on him. I don't think he needs to die nearly as much. His sweetness offsets, offsets how many charger cords I've had to get. That and. He did break my favorite pair of boots, but I think I can glue them back together. You have a favorite pair of boots. Tell us about them. <laughs> They're beautiful. Yeah, not anymore. They're still oh. beautiful. I just have to fix the strap, and I think I can gorilla glue it. That's... Let me tell you. You tell us that we... I don't want to look poor, and then you're just like, I'll just gorilla glue it back. Listen. So when I used to do hair, I had a favorite pair of shoes that I wore like every day, even in the salon and out of the salon. Like I legit was obsessed with these shoes and I must have glued the soles back onto the shoes and glued them back together with Gorilla Glue like six times. And then eventually the Gorilla Glue got really hard and they got really uncomfortable and started hurting my feet and I cried when I threw them away. I've never cried when I've had to throw anything away. Even when Jacob wiped poop on my grandfather's shirt. Was it your grandpa's shirt? Yes, that's why I was so mad. Because it was the only shirt Grandpa left me. You have a bunch of his shirts. He didn't specifically leave them to me. My mom just didn't know what to do with them. But this shirt was specifically left to me by him. And I wanted to put his head down a toilet and just, without the rest of his body, mind you, I was going to capitate him. Anyway, we skip on down past the child abuse I just described, and we go into Benjamin Spooner Briggs, who also had his wife, Sarah, and his two daughter, or two daughter, two-year-old daughter, Sophia, on board. I like that name, Sophia. That's a good name. Sarah was a, but Sarah's very bland. Sarah's like always a name. And now I can't stop thinking of Sarah from Outer Banks, but that's. She's bland. She's bland. Yeah, I don't, I don't enjoy her. I don't either. Like after she did that shit with Topper, I was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no. Nah. She might as well be out of the chain of Pogue. That ain't no Pogue. She never was a Pogue. 339. Gee whiz. Get gas in Virginia. Or or if you can find, if anybody finds a gas station that's got gas for like $2, let us know and we'll come up. 
that's that's worth the trip. If it even if it's a six hour journey just to get oh, gas, I'll do it. Well, that, that's when we lit just we've moved. That's what, that's it. Yeah, it's two dollars a, a gallon, Jules. That's where we need to live. So anyway, um, Sarah was an experienced passenger because she'd gone many times with her husband on various shipping adventures he'd been on before he was the captain here. Uh, in addition to Briggs and his wife and child, there were seven skilled crew members. Now, judging by the history crew members have of this ship, I'm not thinking that their skills are going to be useful here. The ship itself carried a large cog- cargo of industrial alcohol. What the is industrial alcohol? Don't know. That sounds like the kind of alcohol that you you want to party with, but you're also worried might kill you. Yeah, and this was what 1908. So was eight. It's eight. Uh, it's 1872. Where'd oh, you get where 19? Where'd you get? Yeah, where'd that come from? I don't know. I could have swore that was said in the beginning. So this was before like prohibitions and stuff like that, correct? Uh, yeah, no, no. Prohibition, well? Prohibition, I think, was 1920s, 1930s era. Uh, when you had, like, Babyface Nelson and and um, and uh, uh, Tommy Floyd. And, and who was the real big one that ever... I mean, Al Capone was, was big in that time because he was the biggest bootlegger, gangster person that existed. But there was also... Um, that dude, do you remember Public Enemy Number One? That movie they put out with Christian Bale yes. and and um, was it Leonardo DiCaprio? No, it was Johnny Depp. Christian Bale and Johnny Depp. What a weird pairing! But that movie was awesome. That movie was great. John Dillinger. That was the dude's name. I don't That's, know that I ever watched it, but I've heard of it. It was real good. It was real good. I loved it. So anyway. Uh, the sh- uh, December eight, December fourth, eighteen seventy-two. Almost a month after it had set sail, the Mary Celeste was spotted by oh, you're gonna love this name, John Johnson. Nice. That is some alliteration if I've ever seen it. It's spotted by John Johnson, Johnson, the helmsman of the De Gracia. I'm, I don't know how to say that. That's just. But it was another ship that was sailing nearby. The ship's location was 600 miles off Portugal, and Johnson knew instantly that there was something eerie about the way the Mary Celeste just seemed to be aimlessly sailing. Um, the Johnson was spooked and alerted Captain Morehouse. I thought that was a W at first, and I was about to be like, I can't say this word on air. Uh, now, when Morehouse looked through this, why I say shit? Uh, looked through. I know. I think you could say that. Um, when Morehouse looked through the spyglass to see what had alarmed his helmsman, he was shocked. The Mary Celeste, which had already reached Italy, looked to be deserted. How did it already reach Italy? They said they were six hundred miles off Portugal. Right. So, like, they made it to Italy, and then the sh- what they did get out, and then be like, "All right, we don't need this ship anymore." That's pretty quick. We don't. We're not coming home. Is that what they're? We we made it to Italy, and we're not coming home. I guess. Um, 
Morehouse could not detect any signs of life on the ship, and he noted that the sails were torn and the boat was yawing. I don't know what yawing means. Uh, can you? Is there a way for you to Siri that up? Do we have service enough? Hey Siri, what does it mean when a boat is yawing? Let's see what she says. Wing and wing. <laughs> wing and wing. Um, it is used when sailing directly to leeward or very close to leeward. But okay. We don't, know we don't know nautical terms, so just look up yawing because I'm pretty sure Siri doesn't know that term because she showed us wing and wing. Wing and wing. And that's not wing a wing is not uh, what we were looking at. She had to tell us about the blacksmith making shoes. Do you think she knows much about shipping and sailing? She's very smart. Jeanette, you send us the proper definition of yawing. That being said, let's move forward. Uh, The Captain Morehouse felt anxious, so he observed the ship for two hours but the celeste just seemed deadly quiet i don't know that i would just stare at a ship for two i think eventually within those two hours i'm going up and finding out what's going on why is there no sounds why also what happened to this thing anyway so morehouse initially thought that you know maybe the boat had been taken over by pirates which was a common occurrence at the time oh man i love me some pirates i do too uh, however, what, not river pirates. That was a ridiculous idea. And, I still enjoy the fact of pirates on a river. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's fun. Like, it's like, but like, it's like, what are you doing? It's like you grow up wanting to be a pirate, but you can't make it to the sea, so you so settle you for my, the river. Yeah, I can do it on the river. Yeah. I, I'll just, I'll get the barges that they yeah. send down the river. Maybe you get seasick, the so Mississi- the, the river. The Mississippi, I don't think seasickness has to do with the actual sea. I think it's the rockiness of the water. Well, I think yeah, it's like water think sickness. I river would have too much of it. A, a river, a, well, a flowing, it's constantly flowing stream of water. It's different because I don't think I would get sick whitewater rafting because I'd be too scared. My anxiety. Well, yeah, I, yeah, but I don't <laughs> my think my anxiety would take over and the sickness wouldn't happen. I wonder what a river pirate boat would look like. We'll have to look that up later. Maybe we put it up on Instagram if anybody listens. So anyway. Uh, the men climb aboard the ghost ship once they, you know, they're like, all right, it's time. But they see no signs of battle or resistance, and the crew had simply just disappeared. Their belongings remained on board, as did most of the cargo. The only papers still aboard were the captain's log, which uh, had been last written in 10 days prior to them finding this ship. Apart from the papers, the only thing missing were the lifeboats, the sectant, and the marine chronometer. I don't know what that is. I don't know either. All right. Uh, chronometer. What? What is a chronometer, people? Tell us what a chronometer is. Mostly, everything on the ship was left as it was. However, the clock that was hanging on the wall had stopped working and the iron stove was moved from its original location. The crew's valuables and six months' worth of supplies were still aboard, ruling out the possibility of a pirate attack as they most certainly would have taken what was aboard. Morehouse 
could not find any reasoning as to how the crew would vanish suddenly. And you know what? That's fair. Pirates are known to take... How loud do you need your phone? Pirates... Yes, but your videos are getting louder and louder as time passes. Look, there's a car for us. Oh, yeah. For sale. That looks like it's expensive. I know. So, the... Anyone would like to buy us a car. I'm kidding. Well, I mean... but in all unless seriousness, you unless you really want to support the show, another car, another car would be useful because we could go to locations then. We oh, wouldn't yeah. have to be worried about gas or whether the van's going to break down. I'm already worried. We're going to Winchester 45 minutes out of our way, and I'm, I'm a little concerned that the gas is going to be like, you're not coming back. I'm not concerned about that. However, I'm concerned about the transmission. <laughs> yeah, that is a... That, well, it looks like the transmission light is gone. So we should be okay. I don't think there ever was a transmission light. There's always a transmission light. Never that I've had one. Oh, well then why are you worried about the transmission? Because oh, wait, no, there it is. That's check engine. Oh. Well, we- but did you just feel that happen? Yeah. That's the transmission not shifting properly. Oh. Help us. <laughs> Please help anyway, us. Anyway, so... Um, Morehouse really couldn't find a reason for the crew vanishing. So after Morehouse fails to come up with a good reason as to why the ghost ship was left abandoned, drifting in sea, he decided to take it to shore in the hope of making a fortune out of the industrial alcohol. I really want to know what industrial... Is it like super strong alcohol? Is it like 100 proof? Like what are we talking here? Is it party alcohol or is it like... Or maybe it's like a lot ethanol or not ethanol what's the thing yeah that's gas what's the thing what's the ether is that alcohol there's rubbing alcohol what is that called isotope or isopropylene or something like that isopropylene because you said it one day and i was like what the fuck is that Uh, right 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 (laughs) i know that word i know that word however once ashore, there were whispers that Captain Morehouse had organized the disappearance of the ten missing crew members. They figured that he would sell the cargo for a large sum of money, and then a reward uh, would, or you know, the money would be the reward for his find. However, it was not the case that this dude stole it, and sitting, or and a sitting was held at Vice Admiralty Court to determine what had happened to the abandoned ship. The court did not share the same theories as the local people and praised the crew for their courage of going aboard a ship that could have been attacked by pirates or giant monsters. Remember, it's 1870. I don't know that they have given up the belief in giant sea monsters yet. And I always think of, I know it's probably not possible, but like the giant octopuses or squids that come up and just wrap their tentacles around the ship and break like it a in kraken. half and drag it down. Yeah. Like, like That's the kraken. That's why I won't get on a ship. See, I won't get on a ship because killer whales are getting smart and taking out ships. They are. I'm not. But I'm they're not right. beautiful. Uh-uh. Mm. No, they're black and white, and, and that's the most blank. My newspaper's black and white. They're sea pandas. They're awful. They're Satan. I love whales. They kill people. I mean, they haven't they killed They do, any, but... <laughs> they don't kill people in the wild, but they, they certainly... You know, there's not been any, that I know of, any reported killer whale deaths in the wild. It's just at SeaWorld. 
Really? It's just at SeaWorld. SeaWorld is where killer whales go to kill people. Oh man, I can't remember what animal it was, but it just that just made me think. Might have been a hippopotamus. Swallowed a two-year-old toddler and then just spit him back out. That's terrifying. I know. They can bite a man in half. I know, and luckily he did not bite the toddler. He just gulped him on down and then And then said, oh, this isn't up. all right. This isn't a yeah. good thing. I don't like this. It's still moving. What the crap is right? this? Um, but the, uh, the court did not share their opinions. Uh, the inquiry into the vacant ship sparked interest from the media, and the story of the ghost ship traveled fast. The inquiry showed no sign of piracy, murder, struggle, or mutiny. Everyone knew that the story of the vanishing crew was true. This case of the Mary Celeste is startling, since it appears to be one of the mysteries which no human ingenuity can penetrate sufficiently to account for abandonment of this vessel and the disappearance of her master, family, and crew. So if you guys uh, noticed, my wife said something about we are almost there in uh, the recording. So what we just did was we paused the recording to come to, where? what is this? West Oaks Farmer's Market. Right, so we went to West Oaks Farmer's Market. They had a band playing, which cool. they were pretty good. I enjoyed them quite a bit. They're called uh, Jess Spoon. I don't know. If that's one of the names of the people, or probably. They apparently have live bands every weekend here. Well, I'd, I'd like to try and put my hand in that ring. Do it. Yeah, maybe I will. You never know. Anyway, uh, so anyway, we, you know, we recording, and then we were like, we're here, so we got to turn it off. So now we're picking back up. You guys won't have noticed a difference because there's like no change in the thing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, like a slight pause. Maybe a slight pause, but not much. Um, so anyway, we're going on with the Mary Celeste uh, with the uh, next set of events. So the strange events and fatal history of the Mary Celeste did not discourage owners from buying the ship. Uh, James Winchester, which is not uh, related, or as far as we know, is not uh, part of the whole Sarah Winchester story or anything like that. But uh, James Winchester sold the ship at a huge loss... Uh, as he was quick to be rid of the damned vessel. He was like, this thing is not doing any good. Does Oliver need something else? Is he... He has his juice. I don't know if he's I don't think he knows how to drink his juice from that straw properly. He does with help. So, new owners uh, soon sold the ship for unknown reasons. And then over the next just 13 years, the ship would have 17 owners. So that's and at least... they all get sick? No, 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 no. They just... I don't know if they just hit some misfortune or if it was like, you know, um, I don't know. It, it could have just been misfortune. They didn't really go into it. I couldn't... I also couldn't find out who the 13 owners were. I'm sure it's out there somewhere, but my research just didn't go that deep because we had a couple of... I wanted to get a couple of topics into this, um, which we may not, honestly. 
we we may have to stop at Mary Celeste, but I'm hoping not. We've only got one more page of Mary Celeste's uh, story, so we might be able to keep going. Uh, so she had 17 owners over the next 13 years who were all quick to get rid of it. In fact, G.C. Parker, uh, no relation to um, Jizzing Parker, or wait, no, that's, it was John Nutting Parker, wasn't it? Jizzing? Well, I was, Jizzing Parker is what I'm going to call him from now on. So J.C. Parker was the final owner of the Mary Celeste, and he, in fact, tried to sink it as part of an insurance scam but was unable to make the ship sink. How are you unable to make a ship sink? Like, like, just drill a hole or something. It's 18, 18, let's see, all 13 years. Okay, so. I can't imagine these ships were built up to the standard that ships are today. Well, no, probably would have been wooden. Yeah, which seems like it would have been easy to sink it. Yeah, you just crack some of that wood and yeah. water sinks in however uh let's see 1872 is so for 13 years wait when did when did it doesn't say when james winchester sold the ship but let's so let's say 1872 and then 13 years after that it's still not 1900s right all right wait 1872 and how many years? 13. 13? No, not quite. No, not quite. Okay, so um, Parker then tried to burn the ship, but despite it being made of wood, the ship refused to burn, and Parker was then arrested for the scam. How do you not burn? Like, how can you not? What is wrong with this ship? Right? Uh, Before his trial, he actually died of unknown circumstances, leading many to ponder whether the ship was like, "Mm mm-mm, you were a captain, you're not getting out of this. However, there were 13 or 17 captains before this dude, and I didn't read about any of them dying mysterious causes. But here are some of the theories about the ship. Um, Dr. James Kemble wrote about his theory in The Secret of Mary Celeste, and believed that the ship had actually been hit by a sudden water spout, sucking everybody out of the ship, but not really damaging the ship. His theory was extremely unlikely, as water spouts are not common outside of the tropics, and they weren't, you know, in the tropical area. Other theories, such as insurance fraud, seismic activity, and mutiny surfaced, but couldn't be proven. I would like to point out that they already said that uh, I would like to point out that it'd be hard to have an insurance fraud unless you had another boat ready. And also, why would you take on... You you were going to make... Like, who was it that thought they were going to make a giant fortune off of it? It was McClellan, wasn't it? No, no, no. It wasn't McClellan. It was uh, Morehouse. Morehouse was thinking about turning it in for a huge profit. So if you're the captain of a ship that has a huge profit, what kind of insurance scam are you trying to run? I think that is probably the least likely of all the... Because the water spouts... I'm playing that uh, that Assassin's Creed Black Flag where you're a pirate. And water spouts do happen uh, on the ocean. So, Oh, yeah. I don't know if it's as random as, as... Like, I feel like you could probably see it coming. But at the same time, you're out on the ocean and water spouts suck the ocean towards them. 
So it working hard, but I feel like they destroy ships. I guess it's just water tornado is what it is. Probably. No, no, that's just what it is. Oh. Uh, so Arthur Conan Doyle, famed writer and creator of what? Oh, that's disappointing. Sherlock Holmes. He's okay. the guy that created Sherlock Holmes. But Arthur Arthur Conan Doyle wrote about the ghost ship in his book The Captain of the Pole Star. In 1935, a film called The Mystery of Mary Celeste later told uh, the story of the Phantom Ship. And then in The Langoliers... Oh, I love that movie. Uh, ...by Stephen King... They made a reference to the Mary Celeste and, and the fact that, you know, they were disappearing and all that. Yeah. Maybe um, I love that movie. Now I want to watch it. <laughs> Despite all of the theories that one, or the one that sticks is that the ship was just a doomed vessel that stole the souls of its crew, including Captain Briggs and his family. Now, the theory noted that the ghostly vessel was evil and brought death and destruction to all who stepped aboard, and the missing crew, never being found, still lives on through the history of the Mary Celeste, which is actually the most famous uh, ghost ship. Now, you think, well, what about the Flying Dutchman? I don't know that the Flying Dutchman was a real ship. I didn't do any research on the Flying Dutchman. So I don't know. I know. I always thought it was a real one. I don't know that. I don't know if it is or if it's just like Davy Jones's locker type talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now the Queen Mary was a transatlantic liner who took her maiden voyage in 1936. She symbolized luxury, wealth, and leisure of the time. So the Queen Mary uh, doesn't actually have anything to do with the Mary Celeste, I don't think. But um, I just thought it'd be fun to talk about other ghost ships. So, uh, in World War II, she was used as a troop ship and later returned to civilian use. And then in 1967, the Queen Mary was retired retired, (laughs) retired to Long Beach where she is now used as a hotel. And a lot of people go there to investigate because they think they see demons and things like that. Um, And just regular ghosts. There have been many ghost sightings on board and the ship has become the subject of several paranormal investigators. One of the people who has reportedly uh, investigated... Can you roll that up a little bit? It's quite loud. It's so hot. I'm sweating. It's just quite loud. Um, the, uh, her name was Carol Layden, uh, and she was actually a long-serving employee of the ship, and she reported, I was in the work area, and for some reason I picked up a cup coffee, or a cup of coffee, <laughs> cup coffee, A cup of coffee went to the tables, and there was a lady sitting there. I was so fascinated by her dress. She appeared to be in late afternoon cocktail dress from the 40s. She had dark hair, rolled at the sides with no makeup on. She seemed to be very pale, but I never saw her move. I left the table and went up about 10 feet, turned around because I wanted to take another look, and there was nothing there. I would have said something to this person that's dressed like that. I'd be like, what is going on? Can I ask you why you're dressed like this? Right. In the, in the late 
80s, early 90s, can I find out? Um, now, another person on board, on board uh, Marine Engineer John Smith, also noticed uh, some unusual activity on the ship. On several occasions, he was near the ship's bow and heard the sound of metal tearing, water rushing, and men screaming. So he was hearing a full-on shipwreck. Uh, and However, sometime later, he read about an incident on board the ship during the war years when the ship was accidentally collided with a British cruiser because he was drunk. Uh, no, that's not how they did things now. Uh, or back when they were doing this, uh, named the Caraco, slicing the cruiser in half and killing over 300 men. John believed the noise he was hearing was an echo of the accident. But why would the screams... Because this is saying that this, the Queen Mary just split the ship in half. Oh, my. Could you imagine? That'd be terrifying. But that's, that's it for that uh, ghost story. Um, the next thing we have is Ohio University. Hmm. So Ohio University is in Athens, USA, and was established in 1804. Many students have reported strange happenings in their dormitories and uh, on the site of like the creepiest buildings on campus. The, the ridges uh, is what it's called. Now, formerly known as Athens Lu- Lunatic Asylum, it was grafted into Ohio University, and the ridges was renovated and restored for the university to use. So, was it like a like a study hospital for these people, or what? Did it no, just no, it was just it, it was a things? it was a lunatic asylum. And then it was. And then it became okay. part of the part of the university without the lunatics. Well, we should probably stop calling them lunatics because they're they're just insane people. So it's not really their fault. But I also like the word lunatic. It's how I describe a lot of people that are irate for no reason. Um, now it's no surprise that the eerie presences uh, presences have been felt here because it is an old college from 1804. That's pretty. That's pretty old and out there. I can take my shirt off now because we're, we're driving. Gas. Oh, we're getting gas. I cannot take my shirt off. My shirt, like I didn't just wear a zip and a right. zipped up jacket because I didn't have. I didn't know where my shirts were, and I didn't feel like asking you. So I was like, ah, here's a coat. I'll put this on and zip it up. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, I have to pause the recording real quick. Because how long is the Ohio? Oh, the Ohio is only like a couple of pages that I wrote, so I'll be all right. Um, I'm going to get gas right now here at Graydon Market, which is, gas is 339 here. Can you imagine telling your grandparents in the 90s, I'm going to go get gas at $3 a pop? Right. But I'm going to pause the recording right now, and then we'll pick it back up. All right, so it's no surprise we've got our gas. We're We're... What are we sitting at? Half a tank? Um, Almost a full tank. (laughs) Almost a full. Good job for us. So anyway, it's no surprise uh, that the eerie presences have been felt, you know, in in the area, given the number of corpses from the asylum uh, that had been interred to the ground. Dead students have actually been seen walking the halls. Specters of slaves have been seen using the Underground Railroad. 
eternally escaping slavery via the network of secret passages. And I don't know if that's inspiring that they're still fighting that fight or if it's just sad because freedom has it. What? Is what what? What? I think it was that big obnoxious truck up there. What, making making a... Yeah. You thought our van was capable of making that noise and not blowing up? Exactly. We were about to blow up. We were about to die. This would have been the last episode of the show. This and no one would get to hear it because my phone would blow up too. Oh, and we worked so hard. So Athens has a reputation for being the most haunted city in Ohio. However, most of the ghostly going on uh, that support this claim occur at Ohio University. So it's not the whole of Athens that is haunted like like Shepherdstown, but it's the, the school itself that makes it the most haunted. Um, the, wor- the various dormitories, halls, uh, uh, have had their fair share of otherworldly activities, the most famous being Wilson Hall. Now, some people believe that the reason for this is because uh, if you connect all the cemeteries in the surrounding area, it forms a pentagon with Wilson Hall. Interesting. So you got all the cemeteries set up, and then I don't know why it's a pentagon, why that's important. I don't. Does a pentagon have anything to do with witchcraft? I know a pentagram does. Maybe they meant a pentagram. You mean when I was writing it? Yes. Like from the research, or you think even it's maybe the research you found, maybe. Well, had that's what I'm saying. Like the, a misprint, and oh. it was supposed to be a pentagram. Because a pentagon is just a shape. It's just a shape. Does he want that cup that's underneath of you? No, he threw it. He threw the cup. I don't know that I have a binky. I think I have a binky, actually. I do. I have a binky. Daddy is prepared. Daddy is awesome. So there are... Oh, but Wilson Hall is in the center of the Pentagon. Does that happen if you put something in the middle of a Pentagon? Again, it's just a shame. It's just a shame. There have been many stories about spooky Wilson Hall, but the fame, most famous... Uh, of them is from room 428 in which a female student who had once lived in the room endured a violent death since then students and by the way they when i say violent death i want to make sure everybody knows i'm not saying what the violent death was it was bad but you know i i know what it was you can tell me later yeah but i'm not gonna say on here because it wasn't it wasn't a good violent death um, since then, students have reported furniture moving on its own, items falling, flying off the wall and smashing around the room. Also, footsteps have been... Is this just... My page is dirty? Is that why it looks like that? Or, Yeah. Um, the uh, footsteps have been heard in the room, and one student even reported seeing the dead girl's apparition. After all of these accounts, the university decided to actually close the room indefinitely. Like that hotel uh, yeah. we talked about where they just shut off shut the room. Shut off that one room. That one room. Um, Jefferson Hall is, is the building which houses the most recent ghost activities. 
Uh, in fact, there were no paranormal activities reported in the hall until the 90s. Uh, the stories of this one, this, this part is actually pretty fun. Uh, stories of toilet paper rolls unrolling themselves <laughs> by a visible hand. I just imagine they're just shooting up into the air simultaneously. Right. Like a ghost is like, I wonder how high I can get this. <laughs> and remember, it's a college campus, so that's perfectly right, exactly. uh, on par with what a college student would think was fun. Yep. I can't even pretend like I wouldn't think that was fun. If I saw a ghost just destroying a bathroom <laughs> in the funniest ways possible. I'm going to throw, gonna throw this toilet paper over everything. I'm going to get all the soap to go all over the counter. Right. Like that kind of stuff. I'm down for it. You want to you wanna destroy a bathroom that way? It's funny. Make the, make the toilets overflow with urine. Like it's gross but that How would be do great. Do that? You just stuff toilet paper down into the hole like okay so it's, it's Have little you done this? yeah uh, um, so me and my friends uh, um, uh, storm I don't know if storm was involved actually but me and my friends we went into a public bathroom and uh, uh, one of them had a flat head I'm, I'm purposely not saying names uh, had a flathead screwdriver and we unscrewed that you know back in the day when the uh, they had the the rounded almost like the capitol building well you don't know you've never been in a man's bathroom but the, the urinals used to have the, the like a dome okay. uh, where the toilet thing goes so what you did was you took a flathead screwdriver you unscrewed that you lifted it up you packed toilet paper down into that hole you had to wash your hands afterwards but it was still worth it because we would come back a month later and it would just be filled with piss and and it made us laugh because if you tried to flush just everywhere and I have to assume people noticed that uh, that that it wasn't going down so they probably stopped flushing Although it's a public bathroom, so it's a different person each time. I wonder how many times that bathroom flooded before they fixed it. I also, uh, at, at an early age, like I was younger than Jacob, and there was a restaurant in Martinsburg called Fazoli's. I don't know if you remember. It. it was deli- they had the it was it was like Olive Garden before Olive Garden was Olive Garden. It was it was like the non-stop breadsticks. And their sauce was so good. You still oh. owe me an Olive Garden date, remember? For my birthday. Oh, yeah. Don't you owe me, like, three years of gifts? I don't work. You have a body. Ew. I am your husband. That is a great birthday, Christmas, middle of the week. I'm happy you work present. I'm just saying. That, Take me to Olive Garden. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Now, hold on. <laughs> That's not fair. So, anyway. Um, lights frantically were... See? See? This is what I'm talking about. Toilet paper being unrolled. Lights frantically turning themselves on and off. Some kid was in there going... I heard this is a good way to start a fire. Slamming doors, which were believed to... 
all these occurrences are believed to be happening by poltergeists. I'm going to say it's not a poltergeist. It's a it's a frat kid exactly. that's haunted or like haunting the building because he died before he was supposed to. And he's like, I'm going to get my kicks in. Yeah, that's that's 100 percent. And he doesn't they don't mature uh, at all. So students have also reported hearing the sounds of marbles being dropped on the floor. Again, that's 100. He's trying to trip people. Yeah. Uh, or uh, even when the uh, even on the top floor, so that you know they heard marbles dropping from the bathroom when they were on the top floor. Those loud marbles. One night, some student or some students decided to uh, explore the unused room at the top floor of their dormitories, and in the room they saw a woman dressed as a 1950s school teacher sitting at a dusty old desk. When they tried to talk to the woman, she did not answer. So one student realized that she appeared to be floating inches above above her chair. Oh, man, I'm getting some indigestion. I'm dying. So when they saw that she was floating off her chair, they fled. They ran out the room. Much like when I heard that box and put a dent in our church. Um, Are we going anywhere? Now, besides home, shirt's coming off, girl. Hold this, hold this microphone while I take, while I strip. Strip? Yes. I'm taking it all off, except for my pants, shoes, and socks, and my hair. Darn. That's what I was hoping would come off. That's because I have a beard and you're hoping I'm a convict. That's like what you're... No. You're like, I want you to look like the men I follow in prison because they're beautiful men. I haven't even seen any of my felon talks lately. No? So maybe they got caught with their phones. Maybe. I remember that one time you were like, I'm going to pen pal a felon. And I was like, no, you're not. (laughs) No, you're not. Uh, Yeah, they're lonely. And they're going to be like, you got some naked pictures? And those are mine. All right? Naked pictures? Before they're passed around that entire facility. Well, yeah, that's the whole point. But that's, that, they're going to use it first. They're going to, they're going to spread their seed in I their room. I them dirty socks. Ew. Some of them like that. I'm pretty sure. If anybody's interested in receiving Julia's dirty anything, <laughs> email us and and we'll send them to you for a small fee. Remember, we need a vehicle. We need a vehicle. <laughs> if you want some, we can even throw in a pair for granny panties if you want. That's what you wear. So, well, I know. When you get fat, that's what's comfortable. I don't think ever having a piece of string up against your butt crack is ever comfortable. I don't think women wear thongs because they're like, "Mm, this is the lap of luxury. They wear it because they can ignore the string and their boyfriends start salivating when they see it. I know I do. I mean, I'll wear one if somebody wants to buy it. I'm kidding. I have bought you one. (laughs) No, like buy it after I wear it. Oh, no, oh, I got you. I, I got you. I'm kidding. That's, I got you. That's quite gross. Vile. I mean, no offense. Vile? To Did you say vile? <laughs> that's quite no offense, but it's no vile. No offense to the people who do it or buy them. It's we just not my thing. We, <laughs> it's just vile. I, I don't know what that is. Like You said no offense, but it's the most disgusting a human can act. But How is that not even going to be offensive? Depending on the amount of money. Probably be like one fifty. You could get it. I mean, shit. If a I gotta 50? wear a thong for eight hours and mail it to somebody, 
As long as you don't show people who you are, I don't do what you want to do. They don't need to know anything but the unders. But the unders. <laughs> so when one student, uh, or I'm sorry, so later the same students returned to show others, but the door was securely locked. And when they managed to get inside, because children aren't stopped by things like locked doors, apparently. Is that old woman riding a bike? Good for her. What are these people doing here? Is it bike week? What the? It's a nice weekend. That's true. It's a nice weekend. people who like the hot weather. That's not even hot. That is awesome. It's like it's snowing leaves on us and then we pass through and now it's over. So... They, the dusky desk, dusky, the dusty desk that they see uh, there uh, is still there, but the woman had disappeared. And then another hall, which is called the Crawford Hall, um, the haunting started after Laura Bensek, a young woman who had been sitting at her window in 93, suddenly lost her footing and fell to her death. How do you lose footing if you're sitting at a window? It didn't say she was sitting in a window. She was sitting at a window, lost her footing. And what what was she doing? Was she leaning out the window and then all of a sudden she just fell? I wonder how. I I bet she fell. If it it had to be. So this is this is the uh, right here is the the school. So it had to be from like one of these windows because there's no way you're dying from there. Maybe there you might die from that. Although I, mean, I doubt it. I think Definitely if you landed the wrong way from this one even. I don't know. That's like 10 feet off the ground. I feel yeah, like you can... if you land the wrong way on your neck or something. Uh, true, 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 true. So anyway, um, a year later, residents started experiencing problems. Items would disappear and reappear later. Lights would mysteriously turn themselves on and off. And strange noises would often be heard. Things did not improve with time. In fact, they got worse. Uh, one resident was lying down for a nap, turned off his lights, and left his door ajar so that his roommate could get in. Because his, I'm guessing his roommate just lost his key all the time. Because I'm not leaving my door open for anybody if I'm taking a nap. Uh, he was woken up by a young girl who came into his room and then just sat next to him. She apologized for waking him and then just walked out, closing the door behind her. What? Oh, I'm so sorry I woke you. I'm trying to watch you as you sleep. Oh, wait, they're from Ohio. I'm trying to watch you while you sleep. Open <laughs> the door. Open the door. So, uh, and just for you all that wonder why we were just that annoying, uh, that's something our children used to say all the time, and it just kind of stuck with us. So, um, the, uh, when he processed exactly what he had just seen, he went to the RA and described the mysterious girl, and the RA was alarmed uh, because the student had just accurately described Laura Bensek, and the RA was her RA. Um, so then the student grew even more disturbed when he learned that he had just met her ghost on the anniversary of her death. So she must have died pretty recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was a year later. Okay. That he was seeing it. So 93, so 94 is when this dude's seeing her. Maybe I missed that. Uh, other residents have reported seeing Laura's ghost uh, walking down the halls. And some say that anyone, or when anyone plays 
the Bob Marley song, Laura, Static Interrupts the Track. Huh. I've never heard that Bob Marley song. I haven't song. either. I imagine it's like, Laura, get up, da 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 I don't know. I know some Bar- Bob Marley songs, but Bar- I wasn't. Barb Marley. Oh, I know Barbara. some I know some Bob Marley songs, but I'm not like a huge fan of Bob Marley. I'm just kind of like... I'll dip my toe in every once in a while. Yeah, I gotta be in the mood. Yeah, That's like I, summertime music. I like... Now, the reason I have problems... And it's not problems. It's just I don't listen to Bob Marley because he doesn't really... As far as I've heard, he doesn't take off on the guitar. And that's what I really like in music is when someone... Like, you remember that time that country... I hate country, but that country song came on. Yeah. And they threw out that guitar solo, and I turned the song up just to hear that guitar solo. And I'm pretty sure that was a Miranda Lambert song. I don't know. I just know that I enjoyed that soulful guitar because she guitar... She has some good... Guitar touches me. in her music. Guitar touches me in my, in my genitals and in my heart. Both of them, because they're both connected. Wife, thank you. What? That's had... where we're going tonight. No, I, I know we're going there tonight. What? What did you say? Thank you for. <laughs> it just—it seemed to fit. I don't know. Leave I was—I was trying to tell you to get to my genitals for my heart. <sighs> I get to your genitals by baking you delicious food. That's—that's that's not the same. I'm fat and can can perform less now. <laughs> Is that your plan? Yes. <laughs> get me at night. I'm so fat. I'm like, I really like to get it going, but uh, I'm I can't walk. <laughs> oh man, I bet that is your plan. I've been asking less and less as time's gone on. So then you have um, the ridges. Now let's talk about the ridges because it was an insane asylum. It's no surprise uh, that the ridges, which uh, you once oh. Uh, once housed psychiatric patients is a hot spot for unexplained activity because every asylum is. And this is the asylum that was this college before it was a college, correct? Yes, they... No, 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 no. The college existed. The lunatic asylum existed. The lunatic asylum went under, I guess, and the college bought it. Okay. Originally, the hospital was condemned as barbaric and inhumane as many patients suffered the tortures of electric shock and lobotomy. Now, I will say this. For the electric shock, I don't know how... I know. So, I'm going to say it's probably not ineffective, but I definitely know the lobotomy was a bad thing to be doing to people. Yeah. Because, who's that? I I think it was Jennifer Workman. And I'm sitting here shirtless? She saw your boobas. She saw my boobas. Oh, well. Everybody that comes to our house has at least seen our, my boobas once. Yeah. No one's seen yours. Not even me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so the 1980s, the institution closed and stood dormant for several years. So this is what we're talking about. They closed down in the 80s. And then uh, Ohio University buys it. Uh, and renovates it into classroom, offices, and a museum. It must be a pretty big building. Yeah. Sorry, I was yawning. No, you're fine. Um, the building is said to be hot. I even put the microphone over there to catch you yawning. In case you were saying something. No, just a yawn. So the building is said to be haunted by the ghost of Margaret Schilling. 
a hospital patient who actually disappeared in 1978. I've heard of her. Have you? I've heard of Schilling. I've heard the name Schilling. I don't know if Schilling... I know where I've heard Schilling. It's five shillings to get... I've heard it in Pirates of the Caribbean. Because that's how they, they've paid with shillings. Oh, yeah. No, I've heard the name. I've heard Mary Schilling, which I'm wondering if Mary is just being used as a nickname for Margaret. I think... I don't think Mary is a nickname for Margaret. I think Peggy or Peg. No, I'm serious. Margaret is uh, or Peg and Peggy is is short for Margaret somehow. Well, so I'm saying maybe Mary, like Mar and Mar and Mar and Mar and Mar. Maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> uh, a month later, Margaret's dead body was discovered by maintenance workers on the hospital's top floor. Why a month later? Why did it take them a month? She didn't stink. I mean, if she's on the top floor. Maybe. Maybe they weren't using it. Well, if it's if it's like other institutions, you remember that uh, expose. I don't remember which hospital they went into for that. It might have been Trans Allegheny. It might have been um, uh, what's the other one? It starts with a W. Weston. No, it's it's not Whaley because Wesleyan. we did. No, Wesleyan is is people that follow John Wesley doctrine in church. Um, (laughs) The, uh, I want to say it's a W. I can't remember. Um, We're doing an episode on it right now. Like we're, we're in the middle of of, uh, doing research for it. I'll, I'll remember it later. It's not important now, but you know, um, a lot of the, the but the camera crew went in and they showed the the conditions that the insane people were living in, and a lot of them were like naked. A lot of them had feces all over the place. Like, I imagine if this place was run like that, it probably yeah. they probably couldn't tell. But either way, you're cleaning this place. There's janitorial staff. Why did it take them a month to get to the top right. floor? Now, uh, to this day, there's actually a stain on the floor from the outline of the dead woman's body, which is gross. So, like, she was decomposing? She decomposed on the floor and then just stained that's the floor. Not, that's really sad. Yeah. Uh, to the, uh, so, in the ridges, people have allegedly seen Margaret's ghost wandering around at night. And uh, there are a bunch of other things, but let's talk about the disappearing underground. Now, the ghost of Nicodemus, a former slave, allegedly haunts the Alpha Omicron Phi sorority. Sorority. Why couldn't I say that name? That word. That's a. That's a tough word. Is why I couldn't say it. It was a tough word. It's hard to to get through. Now, Nicodemus was shot in the back of the head by a local man who believed that the private house that used to exist in the sorority grounds was hiding slaves. So he just saw Nicodemus, who was a slave, saw him there and and thought, oh, okay, or a former slave. So he wasn't, the dude just showed up because he thought that the people in that house were slaves and they were in hiding. So yeah. he was like, let me shoot you. Are you about to play June's Journey while I tell you the story? It's cafe time. It's cafe time. Okay, I see. I have to serve and collect the <laughs> drinks real quick. 
Um, now, he has since been seen disappearing underground where a passage or a secret passage was supposed to lead him to freedom. Throughout the years, each sorority group has claimed to experience unusual events. Now, it is evident from the amount of unexplained occurrences at the Ohio University that it is haunted by a number of restless spirits. At least, it seems to be haunted by a number of restless spirits. Uh, which um, is, you know, as a result of that, it's undergone like numerous paranormal investigations. It's been voted one of the scariest places on Earth. On Earth. Nice. And and uh, that's a fun thing for a university to have. Right. You're too far away to be talking. That. <laughs> um. But and so that's what we got. We got Ohio University and the Mary Celeste and a little bit of Queen Mary because Queen Mary, you know, the ghost ships are fun to talk yeah. about. But Queen Mary actually probably deserves her own full episode because there's a lot that actually goes along through there. Uh, goes along through there. If you guys are hearing children, that is because we don't we don't hide our life. Uh, we've got our children's friend Isaiah hanging out with us, and his mother's here. And so, uh, well, eat it. It's a tomato. Tomatoes are fruit. And they're delicious. Sometimes. Sometimes you get the green ones and they're terrible. So, that is our episode, Obsessors. Awesome. Um, that being said, we recorded this driving, so be impressed by that. We, we were completely unsafe for you people. <laughs> I wasn't. No, Julia was driving. I was just getting her to look at pictures while we were driving. Look at this picture. Look at this picture. No, I did it once. Anyway, please remember that when you are sleeping tonight, that the Mary Celeste and Nicodemus are under your bed. So curl up your feet because they'll get you. Night. We also now have a YouTube channel, Ghosted in West Virginia on YouTube. Subscribe and you'll be able to watch us as we record our episodes. Good evening, obsessors, oppressors, and possessors. It is I, your humble host, Alec McCann, and with me as always... Julia. And there's a baby. Oliver. Say hi, Oliver. Say, no, no, no. Say it, honey. Say hi. Say hey, yo. Oh, Say a, Hey, yo. Say hey, yo. Yeah, he wants to say hey, yo. He just doesn't know what's going on. Can you say hey, yo? He's not interested. All right. Well, there's the binky. You can have that back. So... This episode, did he really just say it? He did. There he went. Ugh. Hopefully they heard him.
So this episode uh, is actually for the people that did not tune in to our live, which was most of you. How dare you? But that being said, uh, we did have a good live. It was pretty much this. He's he's there now. He's in it. No, you can't change my notes. So um, we talked about uh, the live was the Halloween version of... Um, it was a continuation of our Halloween episode. And Oliver, Oliver, please stop. He's, pink. He's poking me in every spot possible uh, that is on my face. Oh, oh, and now he's just climbing straight. Ow, that's my beard. Oh, where are you going now? There ain't even anything over there. Julia, keep control of your child. <laughs> so, um, we talked about in the first episode, the first Halloween special, uh, we talked about the fact that uh, Carolyn and Roger uh, Perrin had some children. Uh, they had some stuff happen in their neighborhood that caused them to want to move. Yes. Criminal activity. Nothing ghostly, just criminal activity. And they were like, uh, this ain't cool. They had some stuff happen to their dogs and their cats. So, you know, and then Andrea Perrin whooped some tail. Then they moved into the Conjuring house. And shortly thereafter, you know, there were some things in between. But the last event we talked about was... Carolyn getting beat by that coat hanger that was just in her closet floating yeah. around. So, uh, we are going to talk about that now. Why is it when we're doing an episode, he suddenly gets all the energy? He's Jacob. He was supposed to be, he was going to sleep. Jake, or Oliver, stop it, please. You don't get to say no. Take your finger out of your mom's mouth and put this binky in yours. Well, just keep them interested with your teeth, I guess. So, here we go. Continuation. Eventually, Carolyn uh, goes to sleep. And uh, shortly was awoken by a paralyzing cold. The gray and gloominess of the dawn breaking uh, to... uh, Or preparing to break did nothing to help her see... In the darkened parlor. He has his <laughs> fist full on in your mouth and he's giggling like a little schoolgirl. Oliver, stop it. He's scraping my teeth. Oliver, stop. <laughs> go. <laughs> Where did his cup go? I don't know. You want this? Take that. Get you. No, don't put it down. Here. That's for you. You have it. It's for you, he baby. said, I'm going to put it on mom and then it's going to spread everywhere mm-hmm. on her. Um, so, um, she couldn't see anything. However, she did smell a rotting sour odor and knew that something was in the room with her. How long it had been there, she did not know. But defiant towards the entity that was invading her home and safety, she stood on her feet uh, and like dared it. Go ahead, do something. All right. And then it just She's swept. Brave. Well, it hadn't really messed with her uh, quite as hard as it's going to. Um, but the entity then swept through the parlor, its presence dissipating as soon as the dawn broke, 
leaving Carolyn scared because she doesn't know what that means for the future of her home. Right. Is she going to be dealing with this thing? Now, she had to tell Roger, uh, you know, about being attacked uh, by something in the house. And so far, she was the only person to be targeted that she knew of. Um, she finally did something that she had not yet tried. She prayed. <coughs> Stop it. That's rude. <coughs> I don't care. That's rude. Um, she prayed and cried, trying desperately to reach out beyond the darkness, trying to pull light through the smoke and brim smoke. What? Through the fire and brim smoke. <laughs> if hell was the absence of God, Oliver, then, uh, she, th that boy's going to throw the cup and it's going to hit me right in the head. I can feel it. I don't want it to be a real thing, but it's going to happen. He's looking. He's. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I barely got away. Uh-uh, you ain't getting this cup back. I don't think so. You go out there. See what your brothers are doing. They look like they're asleep, but it doesn't really matter. That was a good throw. Man, it was so close to hitting my face. Now, Roger... Uh, Roger once again left home for a business trip, which he was doing more and more as time went on. Uh, but he was scheduled to be back this day, and Carolyn and Nancy walked into the parlor and found it covered in just grossness. Right? And it was just like, oh. And, and you know, Nancy's like, you know, dad's going to be pretty mad about this. Dad's going to be pretty mad. And she turns around. Carolyn turns around and is like, do you think? You think he's going to be upset? Um, <clears throat> but uh, they eventually, and, and Nancy's like, oh, and it smells of death. So she had Nancy close the pantry door, which had been open, and then follow her into the kitchen where everyone was up and ready for breakfast. Uh, and then once they ate breakfast, they went to, uh, they all went into the part of the room and cleaned it up. Um, and when she came in the room, in the part of the room, it was ice cold and it smelled of rotten meat. And the pantry door was open once again. Mm. When Roger returned home, he was bombarded by the girls. One started immediately mentioning that they opened the fireplace then another one was like, hey, mom got beaten up by a coat hanger <laughs> and Miss Pettigrew saw it. And then another... I shouldn't laugh at that, but it's just... It's the image of yeah. someone getting beat up by a, a coat hanger. Yeah. But also, the last one, very on point for a child, is like, can we get a horse? <laughs> and he's like, yo, uh, can we chill? Can we calm down? I need to get to my wife. He made it to Carolyn and immediately asked her what was going on. And she's like, all right, I'm going to just tell you everything. Tell you the hangar. We've got weird smells. I mean, everything. And then he mentioned, you know, at first, I don't really smell anything. Uh, and then he's like, but as time's gone on since I've been home, it's certainly gotten stronger. 
And then uh, she told him the pantry door wouldn't stay shut, for which he thought there has to be a logical explanation. Swelling or something yeah. is not, you know. Um, but she's like, you know, it, it's been open ever since we opened the fireplace. But he's like, then it's probably a bad draft or something, you, you nut. Because he still loves his wife. The final thing that broke Roger's back, and not like physically, but, you know, something that actually broke his back, was when she showed him the marks of the coat hanger. He did not believe a floating coat hanger did that. And I don't know exactly what it was, was, what he was saying, because if it's not a floating coat hanger, you think your wife did that to herself. Right. Which is super insulting, but also reasonable. That's way more reasonable than thinking something evil grabbed a coat hanger and beat you up. Yeah. Ah, the baby has returned. Hi, Buglet. He's returned. Ah. Ah. Yes. Ah. Oh, that was weird thing he just did there he's like hopping on you like he's a frog so the argument started to unravel their marriage and as time went on roger just started looking for reasons to go he was on the road constantly and then he also began sleeping just on the sofa and there's not really a mention as to when he when that started and when that stopped it was just like he was sleeping out there for a time um, so times were tense in the home and the rotting, the, the negative entity was like feeding off of that, you know, cause as time went on, it got stronger. It made bolder moves than just opening the door. In fact, one time Roger was like, all right, we're just going to keep this thing. Uh, we're just going to keep this door closed by wrapping twine around and he closes the parlor room with twine. Hold on. Excuse me, sir. What are you doing? Maybe. You want your cuppy? Yeah, your cuppy. There you go. Um, so he wraps twine around the door and stuff, and then all of a sudden, or not all of a sudden, but he wakes up, and the twine's been taken apart by piece by piece. No. Like someone took individual strings and just ripped them up and put them on the ground. Interesting. So that the the parlor door would open again. And that drove him insane. Uh, the next night, Roger and the kids uh, played and made arts and crafts. And then Oliver, why is he flinging himself around like an inflatable wacky tube man? Just let him, just let him leave. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Um, so... When the day was done, they hosed off because, Rod, you know, that said they were doing arts and crafts, right? Yeah. Okay, so they hosed off and went right to bed. Roger left his wife smiling despite their fight, and he went into a shower. When he returned, his wife was no longer smiling, but staring at the pantry door that had started swinging back and forth as if it was fanning the room. So it was going... Whoo, I don't think I mentioned that in live. I don't, yeah. Um, I don't recall hearing about it. So, this is where he runs over. Or even the twine. Well, I, I took some stuff out because we still had 112. 
minute or an hour and 12 minutes in that so i wanted to make sure we had enough oliver i really wish you were being quiet i love you but it is nine o'clock and you should have been asleep when i tried to put you down 20 minutes ago it's been longer than that oh (laughs) i'm not interested dead air dead air Every time. Ah. Ah. Alright, so. Uh, this is when Roger races over. He stops it and he grabs the twine. He wakes up. It's shredded. Now, when Carolyn woke up that morning. Oh, man. He's so. Un- just so needlessly. Noisy. Can you go find out what your brother's doing? Don't just bring him back. But he'll be gone for a little bit. We can get through more of the story. Without little bird chirps. You don't like his bird chirps? Not when I'm trying to tell a story. When Carolyn woke up that morning, she found that Roger had emptied out the laundry from the pantry and had dislocated and moved the washer and dryer to inspect the spaces between the appliances. And why was he doing that? Well, because... The flies that had bothered them the first time in the first episode had been periodically plaguing them, were finally swarming around in that room, and Roger couldn't find any corpse or anything that would cause the death smell that he was getting. When Carolyn found him, he was vacuuming out flies. She touched his elbow to announce her presence, And the book says he jumped like 10 feet out of his skin. He whirled on Carolyn and looked like he was afraid. With the twine on the floor, the flies in the room, and the ghost smell, all of it came crashing down on Roger's reality. But he still wasn't able to believe. So he joins his family and suggested uh, something they hadn't suggested in a long time. He said, it's time to go to church. Carolyn took it as a sign that he was reconsidering the issues of the house. However, that's not what it was. One afternoon, Andrea was teaching the girls some... He just wanted to get out of the house. And it was a Sunday, so they were going to church. One afternoon, Andrea was teaching the girls some musical production on the porch as Carolyn watched from the kitchen window. That's when she felt its presence again. And yet, it seemed to be watching the activity, too. And as she watched, dark, intrusive thoughts reached into her head, and she fought tooth and nail to enjoy her children playing without the fear of being attacked. But it was only going to get worse. She felt like it was threatening her. Like it was watching her kids with her, but not in like a, oh, isn't that nice? It was, oh, aren't they just precious? Um, Roger and Carolyn begin arguing about whether or not they should stay in the home. Carolyn even called her realtor friend, Sam, to tell him what was going on. Say, you know, we made a mistake in buying this house. And he was like, well, there's not really anything you can do about it. Roger did try to remind her what she saw in the home, but Carolyn wasn't having it. He said, you know, what about the garden that you wanted to plant? I'll even plow it for you. But she no longer wanted to put roots down in what she considered an evil home. I don't blame her. No, I, I, I would think it would. it's pretty reasonable not to do that. Yeah. 
she kept insisting that they sell the home, but Roger was like, woman, what's wrong with you? We put all of our money in here, and I'm leaving every week just to maintain our lives. And then he accused her of filling the children's heads with ghost nonsense because of the coat hanger incident yeah. and, and just everything that, you know, they've been going through. That's when Carolyn told him about the night she was attacked and Andrea had witnessed it. Carolyn had been sleeping in her bed and she felt a presence beside her in the, in the middle of the night. I say middle of the night, but it was closer towards day, but not, uh, not day yet. Yeah. Everybody's still very much sleeping, but she thought maybe, you know, it's one of my daughters. So she, she asked what was wrong and she reached out for the person. And when she opened her eyes, she saw the disfigured body of uh, a woman. Just, what is this nonsense? What is happening? Why the crap would you give a baby an apple juice box? I don't know. Not you. I'm talking about the, the, the other child that's closer to his age. <laughs> well, to be fair, he knows that any time one of them have something... Oliver's going to throw a fit if he doesn't have it because he's got third child syndrome. He's got, I didn't get whooped enough as a baby syndrome because I didn't get whooped at all. Because you don't whoop babies. I'm going to whoop him through a window. <laughs> Out the window. Out the window he goes. So, uh, she's uh, opens her eyes. She sees this disfigured woman standing there and she's immediately snaps to attention but her brain her brain actually decreases in age and she goes back to being like four to ten because she throws that blanket right over top of her head <laughs> because if it can't see her or if she can't see it i like the specificness of four to ten well thank you did you make that up or? yes that's usually when i would hide under my blankets but once once I hit 10, I was like, oh, maybe I need to stop being scared of the dark. And yet I still watch with some noise or something to comfort me. Just to make Which me feel like awful. I'm safe. Oh, yeah, is it awful? Do you notice it a lot while you're sleeping deeply? That and blue screen. The yes. blue screen has nothing to do with anything. That's just because I fell asleep before I could change YouTube. And I'm fairly certain we actually fell asleep around the same time. Like almost together, like a couple. Isn't that amazing? Now, when she uh, she's under there, her her fears paralyzed her. She can smell the death, and then she thinks about what she saw. She closed her eyes. She thinks about what she saw. She said, "Well, his neck was broken. It was bent as if it was broken. It was looking at me. It appeared to have no eyes, no mouth." And no hands or feet. And had cobweb-like hair. I I think he's okay. If you guys... Well, then Just take it away it from him. I don't know why that's a that's a hard concept. Why? Well, it's, it's, it's like 9.19. Your bedtime's 9.30. And again, that's a living room. Not your room. Gone. Uh, with a blanket, and maybe if you cleaned it every once in a while, you wouldn't have to worry about it because your parents told you they were done cleaning your room because you are 10. 
Anyway. That was my sound effect. Did you like it? Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, now, she flung herself backwards and crashed into the headboard loud enough that it woke up Andrea for a little bit. However, Roger, who's sleeping next to her at this point, doesn't move at all. Weird. And uh, she, like, comes over to him. She yanks his head back as hard as she can with, with his hair. And then his head just falls limp. And she's like, oh, my husband's dead. Dad. She's sure he's dead. All this going on while the horrific woman is just watching by her bedside bureau. But suddenly, the evil entity starts to move in on its prey and gets closer. She scrambled, but fell on top of Roger's body, screaming at what she believed was deafening levels. The entity was floating above her now, just staring with hatred. She believed she was about to die and that her children would either be next or have to be called orphans. And then she whispered a small prayer and waited for death. She yanked the blankets away and momentarily distracted herself with her husband's torso. Not because he was such a good-looking hunk of meat, but because he had been scratched up quite a bit. Uh, he was bloody and bruised. It was up his rib cage, around his shoulders, along his belly. It looked like he had been clawed by a cat or wild animal. Not like cougar size, but like raccoon size. Oh, look, Oliver's playing with the Christmas tree. Yes, guys, we're recording this. My wife put the Christmas tree up without telling me today. And But let me tell you, when I plugged it in, Oliver said, <gasps> and then he clapped. No, he and didn't. And it made it all worth it. All right. Well, he loves it. He does love that little thing. Well, that is. it is a seven and a half foot tree. Oh, okay, well. It's beautiful. It's a good looking tree. And I'm going to put the other one up, too. No, you're not. What other one? Ours that we bought last year. I don't want that. No. Can't you just have one tree? Christmas is not that special. You're not that special. I know. <laughs> I frequently just get shaving cream and crap for Christmas. No one gets me anything I actually enjoy. Me either. I have gotten you several pieces of jewelry that you have enjoyed. Yeah. Not for Christmas, just for whatever. Well, by Christmas time, we don't have money for each other. I certainly don't have money for you because it's children. I don't have money for anybody because I don't work. No, that's fine. Now, she looked <laughs> to see where the demonic presence was, uh, but it seemed to be gone. It vanished into the dark ether of the home's supernatural realm. Roger began to moan and try to shift over, relieving Carol of her dead husband syndrome. Well, that's good. Oh, good. He's back. He's back, and he's he's trying to figure... Oh, he said, I can't close it this way. Oh, he's going to close it on us. And he's leaving. And he's leaving. Okay. Um, now, she felt very weak, but she decided, I got to... Come on in. Uh, I got to get up. I got to write this stuff down. She goes downstairs and notices none of the clocks are working. They all seem to have stopped when the entity showed up. They're stopped at the time that the entity showed up in a room. The attack happened. So she finds her notepad, writes down what she saw, draws a picture of what she saw, and then uh, heads into the kitchen 
to look at the clocks, you know, to be like, all right, so why'd they stop? And then she's like, oh, wait, hey, hold on, because she was going to have coffee and go out on the porch. She's like, oh, wait, hold on, I don't have my cigarette. So she goes back into the part of the room, and that's where she sees Andrea at her desk reading her journal. And she's like, oh, crap, no, because she's trying to protect herself, you know. She quickly is like, you know, give me the book, give me the book, give me the book. Uh, And and Andrea's like... uh, she said, you know, she tells her, you know, don't worry. I, I, And then she's like, Mom, I, I know this person. The picture that you've drawn, the way you've described this person, I know this person. And Andrea proceeds to tell Carolyn about a nightmare she had that night in which she saw Carolyn be attacked by the woman. Now, Carolyn had only written down a description of the woman and what had happened to Roger. She had yet to get into what she went through. Um, so Andrea told her that the woman wanted to hurt Carolyn and, and Carolyn was just very frank at this point. Cause she's like, all right, so she's clearly seen something. Uh, and she tells her, you know, what happened while also saying that she doesn't understand why it happened or why Andrea was able to see it in her dream. And that's when Andrea told her that she had been hearing and seeing things, too. And she could never make out what the voices were saying uh, in her bedroom. And she hated going to the bathroom alone because she would always see shadows watching her, which is real creepy, pedophile-ish. Like, that's... She's using the bathroom, guys. Come on. Right? Oh, good. All that pizza and soda that I've had for the past four days. I smell it. It It's great. Um, on their way to bed, uh, Cindy comes downstairs, uh, complaining about having a nightmare as well, but her nightmare didn't really have anything to do with anything. It was just a child having a nightmare. So Carolyn's like, oh, you poor baby. And she leads her to the the bed and, and, uh, then she's like, stares at the fire and writes a couple more things down in her book and then feels herself kind of like returning to normalcy. She's like, alright, I got it out of my system. I wrote it down. I'm pretty good for now. She made a to-do list and at the top of it was getting rid of ghosts because Roger was right. They couldn't really sell the house. There was nothing they could really do. So if they wanted to improve the homes, the ghosts had to go. Uh, she took a cup of coffee, a cigarette, and headed out onto the porch. And she stood there, breathing in the steam, and thinking about the way the kids came out. You know, they, Andrea's like, hey, ghosts are a thing now. I saw this thing. And Cindy's just, you know, scared. And then Roger screams out, uh, which wokes, which wokes Cindy from her sleep and (sighs) so Roger is like ah what happened to me because he's like bloody and whatnot and Carolyn he looks at Carolyn Carolyn just looks at him and then she says all right you know what everybody get dressed we're going to church and that actually helps for about a year uh for a year Carolyn didn't have any visitations and while her relationship was deteriorating she was like I don't I don't need Roger I just need God 
So, um, you know, she, she was replacing Roger basically with God. But as the year goes by, the ghost doesn't show. But they still have a lingering fear that it's going to happen. You know, the entire year they're like, eh, it's gonna, something's going to show up. So when she finishes telling Roger this entire story, Roger still thinks she's making things up. So she tells him that the kids never came to her with their stories of what they had been hearing or seeing. They were all, with the exception of April, going to Andrea to tell her. And the exception of April is because April wasn't telling anybody anything. She didn't appear to be going through anything, or at least she wasn't telling anybody that she was. Um, and none of them wanted to burden their mom with the monsters in yeah. their closet, you know. So she tells him that one night Cindy was sleeping, or Cindy slept with Andrea because she kept seeing her toys move on their own. She would go to pee and they would be moved. She knew April wasn't doing it. And the last time that it happened, it was just her alone in her room playing. And she told Andrea that the ghost talked to her and she feels them all the time. Now, Cindy tells Andrea that she is the best speaker of the children. So she has to tell their mom. And she specifically says, you have to tell mom about the lady that comes in and kisses me. After she, after mom's tucked me in. And I don't feel the kisses. That's so creepy. She says she leans down and kisses their foreheads. Andrea goes... And it's not just her. She sleeps with April. So she sees... Uh, April... Um, get kissed too. Mm. Um, Andrea goes to her mother and first confesses that she knows what she saw wasn't a nightmare and that she was in the dream. She physically couldn't move to help her mom, even though she was in the same room, you know, in her dream, she was in the same room. Yeah. She tells Carolyn that Cindy seems to be the, uh, see them the most, but they all have more stories than Andrea can remember. Now, Carolyn goes in to the fact that Roger's never home, and he's like, yeah, our electric bill keeps going up. I wonder what's going on there. Uh, she brings up the fact that not only did the children see her get beat, but also Miss Pettigrew did. Every time you say that, I think about Miss Peregrine. I think of Peter Pettigrew and whether or not this is his cousin. Oh, no. How about that? Oh, does that make you cry? What doesn't make you cry tonight? He's cutting teeth, so... Ugh, he's wonderful tonight. Where's that aura gel? Can you, can you give him more of that? Uh, possibly. Give him more aura gel. Help his teeth out. It's baby aura gel. Don't anybody get upset at me. So now baby has aura gel. Maybe he'll let us get through the rest of the story. Which, now I have to find my place because I accidentally pressed the button. And it took me to the wrong spot because why wouldn't it? <sighs> yeah, you're staying here. Um, but here comes the cry. <sighs> so Roger is like, you know, hey, 
I have to pay the electric bill. And in case anybody's wondering, we did stop recording because it just became too much of a hassle. Oliver wasn't going to sleep. And he stayed up, what, like three hours after we stopped? Yeah, it was awful. So, you know, uh, we're picking up where we think we left off. Uh, so, um, Roger is telling her, you know, the electric bill. Mr. Kenyon didn't, you know, he showed them all of their financial stuff. Uh, and and they were vastly using more electricity than what Mr. Kenyon said was going to be used. And they weren't real, they were concerned about it because of the fact that they weren't doing anything different. And yet the electric bill kept reaching new heights. So, um, they didn't really talk anymore about what she told Roger that day. So... You know, moving on to the children. The children at school had become a huge source of gossip, uh, unbeknownst to them. They had no idea. They were just going about their last days of school that year as if, uh, you know, they didn't have a reputation of living in a haunted house because they didn't know they had a reputation. They had no clue. Oliver, you can't be on that heater. It's Oliver, you can't be on that heater. Oh, my goodness. Here come the tears, I'm sure, because I just pushed him. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't touch the heater, Oliver. You can't touch the heater. Um, everyone knew that Mr. Kenyon, when he lived there, kept the lights on. And they heard the children talking to their friends at the bus stop. So, of course, kids are kids, and they're like, oh, ghosts. Let's make fun of them for it. But they hadn't started yet. Now, uh, one night, Cindy was in her room after breakfast playing with all of her toys. And she sprawled them out and was just, like, looking at them and didn't notice that her room suddenly got darker as if it was now dusk. Um, but she'd been playing up there for a little while. And then she hears her door open and shut. And she's there for a little bit. But no one, no one says anything, so she looks up and her bedroom door's closed. But the closet door's open. And she stares at the closet door to see an apparition float out of the room and slowly come towards her. It was a woman. Ew. What do they call them in the, in the Hill House? The bent neck woman? Isn't that what they called her? I don't remember. It's like that, ew. I saw that. Um, now she couldn't move and the air was a putrid mixture of disease and death, which I always find weird that they're smelling that. Yeah. Come on, Oliver. Come on. Come on. You got it. Come on, big boy. Come on. You don't go far enough, son. You must leave the threshold of the door. There you go. He stops. If you don't put a finger on him, he just stops moving. Like, right now, he's at the threshold of the door. He can't figure out how to get this motorcycle back on to the person. And that's what he's trying to do. So, um, she then hears a voice inside her head say, Come here, little girl. <coughs> no. Come with me. And then she lost track of time, couldn't move. And as the thing approached, 
what is wrong with us this morning? Allergies. Mm. She could make out details. The woman had a handkerchief dangling from her sleeve. I can't. He's in the way. Oh, man. She had a handkerchief dangling from her sleeve. She was wearing gray flannel dress with a flower apron. That's creepy. Tied around her waist. There were no feet. I don't understand why this ghost can't have feet. Right? What is up with this ghost? Like, hey, you know what's real? I can have a sleeve, but I will not have feet. Hey, dogs. Does she have um, hands? Uh, well, I have to assume she has hands if if she's got a, a <clears throat> handkerchief coming out of her dress sleeve. She then started to... Well, actually, she uh, floats her way right in front of Cindy. And then... Are we leaving? Uh, I was going to let the dogs out real quick. Because they were annoying me with their fighting. So they can do that outside and then we'll go. Teresa will be okay. Teresa is my client. And uh, I care for her very deeply. But she's... Uh, huh? That's not hip. I didn't give last names. She's and she's uh busy doing something today, I think. So it'll be alright. Anyway, um she's the spirit started to lean down closer to Cindy and expecting to be grabbed. Cindy was like, God, I need your help. And then the oppressive feeling immediately went away. The spirit was gone. And so Cindy ran down to tell her mom what happened in tears. Now, Carolyn interrogated Cindy. Not like a actual cop. Like, oh yeah, is that right? Put the shining light in her face. Putting, you know, she didn't hit her with a book or anything. But Cindy told her that uh, the lady that came out of the chimney closet wanted to take her. She said, the woman told her that she wanted her to go with her. She said that the woman told her that she loved her and that the woman was real strong with the voice inside her head. Now, if a child came up and said, the voice inside my head said I need to go with it, what do you tell that child? Absolutely not. You don't say, okay, see you later. No. Bye-bye. <laughs> I, don't, no. I don't want anything to do with that. Nope. Um, so... Carolyn, you know, she said, I don't want to go with her, Mommy. I want to stay with you. And she said, well, she can't have you. And she said, I know. And Carolyn was scared for all of her children. And having patched up the external wounds uh, that had been caused by whatever Cindy went through, Carolyn took Cindy to the kitchen and spent the rest of the evening by her side and wouldn't let her leave her side. Roger finally comes home a few days later with better news, having established a new clientele for a tourist trap. I don't know how he got involved in a tourist trap when he's a truck driver. Who knows? But he was like, I just made us some money. Let's go celebrate. And Carolyn was like, you and the kids can go celebrate. Because <laughs> she was done. She, she and Roger are not having a good time. If you remember last night, I said she had already replaced Roger with God and said, I don't yeah. need his, I don't need Roger's protection any, any longer. He's useless. Um, <clears throat> so they go out. Roger still not fully on board with the ghost activity as most husbands aren't. But when he returned from dinner, he commented, 
that there was a smell of death. We can probably head out. Yeah, they come with us typically. They don't have to. I can bring them back in, but that's a lot of. Okay, I was about to say that's a lot of trash bags they can get into. Um, not because we're trashy people. We're just we're trying to clean up for Christmas. Don't judge us. You you don't know what our house looks like. Because our Christmas trees up. Unless you're our friends, and then you've been in our house and you know what it's looked like. But keep your mouth shut. Don't tell people. So anyway, they come in. The house smells like death. He's like, oh, that's not cool. But he immediately is like, ah, screw you and everybody that's in this house. So Carolyn quickly sends, yeah, Carolyn quickly sends um, the kids to bed because not only was there a smell of death, but all of the doors in the house that are normally open because of ghosts... Oh my goodness. So my wife is trying, Julia is trying very hard. You want to tell the people what you're trying to do? See, I'm trying to get Oliver's coat on and he's scooting away from me with his motorcycle with his binky on it. Yes, his binky. And he, every time she bends down to get him, he scoots just a little bit further away. Not realizing he's scooting away from her, but it's fun. Um, so Carolyn sends the kids to bed. Roger's being a jerk. She told or uh, she goes out on the porch with Roger and tells him about what had happened to Cindy and that she was scared to be in the house. She described the same woman coming from or coming for her that had come for Carolyn, and Roger had seen her notebook at this point, so he knows who he, who she's talking about. But Cindy had not seen it. So when she describes the woman, she's not describing someone that she thinks Carolyn will know or recognize. She's describing some stranger that came out of her closet and said, inside of her head, come with me, little girl. Creepy. So Roger's like, eh, let's, let's not talk about this. He, he felt overwhelmed. He felt defeated. And it was the same way that his wife had felt uh, months before. Did this boy put Mickey Mouse on his head? You just scrape that fire a couple of times with the with the thing and flames will come back. Um, so let me open this door. You guys are getting a real treat because we actually just put a new microphone in my phone. So you're probably getting a better quality sound than you normally get, which means you're probably also hearing everything we're doing. We're about to walk in leaves. The dogs are excited to leave. Come on, guys. Come on. All right. So the couple, um, the couple are talking. She asks Roger to explain what's been going on. And he's like, okay, I can't. Then they go to bed. And the next morning, they find that their bed has been moved halfway across the room. And Roger's booming voice scared his wife awake as he screamed, what is happening in this house? Again, unwilling to say it's ghosts, but also unwilling to give a proper explanation because there is no proper explanation. Your bed just moved on its own. Do you think your wife got up, moved the bed, and then got back in bed and was like, oh, this is where I belong? No. So Carolyn tried to tell him that what was happening in the home was actually hell. And he was just kind of like, oh, please. 
But she also muffled her words uh, under the pillow, so he probably didn't even hear her. Oh, man, what's wrong with him? Did you pinch him? pinching him or anything. You think he's just annoyed that he's in a car seat? Maybe. He doesn't like car seats very often. Mm. That's not true. He loves them. Oliver McCann. Now, you threw this hat on the ground when you didn't need to. You hold on to it. <laughs> Throw it on the ground now. Let's see. Uh-oh. There goes Ryan's Halloween mask. That he wasn't going to wear any longer. Uh, it's alright. So anyway. Roger aggravatedly told his wife. To get up and help him move the bed back. To its position. And she was like. You don't have to be so rude. Now Roger was still in denial. And said that everything they were experiencing. Was absolute insanity. And Carolyn told him. There really was nothing they could do because legally they had no disclosure laws in this state. So they were stuck in the house as it was. They knew Mr. Kenyon had not told them the full story and Roger gently was like, I think I'm going to go get a cup, cup of coffee. So he's not mad at Carolyn right now. They've gone through something strange, but he knows he can't blame her. So he's like, you know, I'm going to go get a cup of coffee. So he goes down, makes himself a pot of coffee, and then he goes out on the porch to stand alone. Now, he asked her if she wanted to come with him, and she was like, no, I don't need sleep, you know, because I'm a woman, and I need sleep. And I'm not downing women. I think your ability to go to sleep in any situation is admirable. That's probably not a lot of them. Probably not all of them, just me. Just you? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. You, you go to sleep pretty fast. Can you dogs stay still? Goodness gracious, they're trying to find old Halloween candy. Oh my goodness. Zoe, give me your foot. Stupid packets of... <laughs> Just, oh man. Alright, so... If y'all wonder, I do get frustrated with our life coming on to our podcast every once in a while. Only because I am distracted quite easily. Tell them... That's all you got? Yes? <laughs> yeah. I'm distracted real easily. And when I get distracted and I'm trying to tell a story, I get frustrated, which anybody would. I mean, you know, if you have children, you're just automatically frustrated. So anyway, he goes down, makes himself a pot of coffee. He's standing on the porch and he's just looking at the property. While standing there, he felt a steady, gentle hand stroke his back and then asked his wife, uh... You know, did you change your mind on joining me for a cup of coffee? And then when he turned to find his wife, he saw that no one was there with him. Ooh, creepy. Now, he did not immediately go ghost. In fact, he spoke out loud and said, where did you go? So he gets touched and then he's like, well, where'd you go? <laughs> um, he, when he, um... Got, he got goosebumps on his arms, and when he received no reply, he drank his coffee, because at that point, I've poured it, right. and then he started to head to bed. That's where he found his wife sleeping silently, not a care in the world, and as he looked at his wife, he felt once again the strokes on his back, and he suddenly felt sick, and new reality was setting in. 
When Cynthia woke up that morning, she went into the kitchen and interrupted her parents in deep conversation. Not sure what they were talking about, uh, because Roger has not told her about what he experienced. So uh, they're probably just talking about money or something. Not deep conversation, that's important. Um, she asked Carolyn to follow her to the bathroom, and when they got there, Cynthia told her a horrifying story. When she was sleeping, she was woken up by the sound of what she thought was a growling cat. But when she looked over at her sister, she said, well, she's either sick or she's, you know, talking. Is that Eric? No, that's just some ginger dude. Um, he's, she, you know, she's either talking or, or she's sick, you know, but she's asleep. And she thinks, oh, she's making these noises. It's terrible. Next thing she knew, as she's staring at Christine... Her eyes popped open and Cynthia said that she wasn't looking at her sister. Her sister wasn't looking at her. In fact, she said its eyes were not human. And then as she's looking at her sister, it seemed like two snakes were like slithering underneath the skin of her face. Can you imagine? Creepy. Um, So she covered herself with blankets because it's a family trait. Uh, okay. So, anyway, Julia was asking me if I wanted a soda. She asked me to pause it because apparently we don't put questions into podcasts. <laughs> nope. is, that, is that how it is? Can we pause it? That's not a distraction that I hate. You asking me something like that, that's, that's life. When it's just nonsense screaming and crinkling of packages because dogs <laughs> are moving around, that's when it's a problem. Ah, we just let them know all the women wait all, but it's not because I'm pregnant I'm not that's not it <laughs> uh, she's got that depot that she's had for 14 years and she's only supposed to take it for two but pills hurt her anyway we just let them know a whole bunch of stuff and if I had to be on pills we'd have more babies because I don't remember to take them there you go ladies Birth control needs to be accessible to everyone. (laughs) In all forms. Anyway, so Cynthia covers herself up with a blanket and then she just cries herself to sleep while her sister in the next bed is moaning and groaning and growling. Don't you even. I don't like dogs. Are you going to get into curse so you can get yourself a soda? Um... So, with that information, Carolyn quickly and urgently tells Roger to go check on Chrissy. Roger immediately runs up the stairs while Carolyn returns to wash Cindy's face. Now, Cindy is short for Cynthia. You're just going to have to deal with it. I'll go get Julia a soda, and we'll return. I just got her soda, and now we should be able to finish the episode. You want to stop anywhere else in between here and Teresa's? <laughs> Everywhere. The car wash? You want to stop at the car yeah. wash? Um, so, where was I? <laughs> that is proof that my wife doesn't listen to the episode as we're doing it. I do listen. Do you? Where are we? <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Um, the snakes in her face. 
that's the last thing you remember? And then they went to Chapel Oh, okay. You got that part. You got that part. Okay. So Roger uh, goes upstairs. Carolyn washes her face. And then Roger comes downstairs with Christine and Cindy seeing her sister. Now, just so you guys know, Cindy and Cynthia are the same person. It's just short. So she sees her sister and she gives her a giant hug. Carolyn noticed that Christine seemed to have aged overnight and Roger comes up to her and says, hey, what was that? What, well, why did I have to do that? Oh. I'll park back here so maybe the dogs will see. Where is she? Is it, is it's it, a big black one. it's baby boy? He's got mouth disease, which is unfortunate. So anyway, um, Carolyn tells him, you know, don't worry about it. I'll tell you in a little bit. And then she goes upstairs to look at the scene and found that the blankets had been burned just as Cynthia had described in a ring of fire that was surrounding her child. Ooh. After breakfast, Carolyn informed Roger of what had happened and he suddenly stopped walking dead in his tracks. Carolyn asked if he had noticed the burns in the sheets and he told her no because he was looking for the kid that was under the other sheets. Flabberg He is a he is a jerk. <laughs> Flabbergasted at the fact that Roger was still oblivious to the activity happening in their home, she felt another fight coming. After Carolyn was done berating him, because he just stayed silent, she was like, You stupid a-hole, why don't you trust your wife? You married me, you put a ring on my finger, if I tell you someone's supposed to be partners, yada yada yada, and he goes, I was touched. And then he tells her about the fact that he had been touched the previous night and that it scared him because he thought it was her, but instead he was contacted by force from an entity. Uh -uh. Carolyn, actually seeking her husband's advice, asked what they should do, and he was unsure. Uh, they may have been at odds about what was causing the disturbances, but they were unified and needing to protect their children. So Roger didn't know what to do or what to think. And he was very open about that with his wife. And I do believe this is like a, a little like a little concession between them. They're like, okay, listen, we know something's happening. I don't agree with you. You think I'm just being stupid, but something's happening to our children. We need to take care of them. So let's figure out what we're doing. So there's a little commiseration there. That's what that word means, right? I don't know. All right. It's a big word. It's a big word. Um, oh, excuse me. <laughs> so, Roger and Carolyn had actually discussed, um, you know, because they were still feeling the dread. They, they were worried about the winter because they, they didn't want to go through winter with everything they were going through. They didn't want to go through that winter again. Because if you remember from the first episode, it was a harsh winter. Yeah. So... They didn't care if they went broke trying to sell the house, but they stayed because they were like, no one's going to buy this house right now. Not in the winter. No. Carolyn's friend Kathy actually came back. She was from the first episode. She actually came back sometime in December, and Carolyn showed her friend the journal that she had been keeping with her sketches and what had been happening to her. Kathy was a lot more fascinated than she was frightened by the events she was concerned about the effect it was having on the children but again kathy was curious by nature stop it she had several questions but carolyn was still unable to answer any of them because they had no answers right. 
Uh, her friend believed in the existence of ghosts and supernatural phenomena, but did not believe ghosts were dangerous, just more of an annoyance. I'm sorry, did you did you not hear about Roger's scratched up torso? Okay, Oliver. Oliver, stop that. He's singing. He was singing and going back and forth. But that's not what we're doing here, son. Kath, uh, Carolyn invited Kathy to spend the night, but Kathy declined, saying that she uh, needed to go home. It was a long drive. She left by 10 p.m. Zoe, why are you breathing so heavy? Um, but before she left, she called her mother, saying that she was on her way. Kathy's mom was an anxious person, and she wanted to spend time with her daughter uh, after such an extended absence, because she came from an area and stayed with them for quite some time. Um, Kathy probably should be coming home, in her estimation, and told Carolyn she had to go. As she was driving, Kathy smelled something rancid in her car and she wasn't even a mile up the road before the stench just permeated the vehicle. Uh, she felt an unrelenting cold take hold of her as her fingers froze to the steering wheel. And then she looked in the rearview mirror and panicked as she caught a glimpse of jagged yellow teeth. She believed she was in the presence of death and her mind refused to process what she was saying or what she was seeing. Kathy wouldn't stop the car because she had to flee the scene. Don't laugh at me as I'm trying to get her to stop. She, Poor Zoe. She, well, she didn't get hit or anything. I was just like, stop it. Poor good friend. Um, she knew she wasn't alone in the car, and so she raced home and finally got to the arms of her mother. The apparition vanished almost as quickly as it showed up, but the stink lingered for the entire trip, stuck in her nostrils and her memory forever. She soon called Carolyn after telling her mom what happened, and Kathy now knew firsthand what her friend was dealing with, and she told her she wasn't sure she was going to come back. Carolyn went into her room after hearing the story and found her notebook open to the page that had the woman's image on it. That she didn't do. It was just open to that page. Furious with what the entity had pulled with her friends, she slammed uh, the book shut. I wrote buckshot. She slammed the buckshot <laughs> uh, and held it in the air and yelled that if the, enemy, or if the entity had cost her a friendship, she was going to hunt it back to hell, issuing a formal threat to the evil that resided in her home. When the kids returned uh, to school, they noticed a change in the reception that they got. They were too taunted about living in a haunted house, and the five girls began withdrawing into themselves. They learned quickly who their real friends were and they and who was just there to make their life hard. They stopped blaming each other for toys being moved and started circling the wagons trying to protect each other from the evil spirits who seemed to intend them harm. They watched as their parents tore each other apart hoping that peace would come into the house soon. Carolyn was now, all, or was also now feeling an impending doom coming from inside herself, not an external force, but an internal one. One night, Roger was off to work as usual. Carolyn was cooking some food. She lost concentration and started to burn the chicken. She turned the burner off, and when she noticed, or she turned the burner off when she noticed the problem, and Andrea came downstairs to help her remove the chicken from the stove. 
When Andrea took the first piece of chicken off of the thing, some grease hit the burner and flames shot up from the surface of the stove around the cast iron frying pan, creating a perfect circle around the chicken. That's an oddly ghostly, what? like, you can't have this chicken to fry. Carolyn slammed the metal lid down onto the fryer and touched the heating element of the stove. It was cool to the touch. The fire should not have happened, but because this type of thing happened frequently, they just moved on with their day, the chicken ultimately becoming dinner for the animals. Carolyn could feel the presence all around her and inside of her, the sensation that she was being targeted became stronger and stronger. One night in the spring, the family had a fire going because it could still get chilly. And Carolyn was distracted reading one of her old novels, visiting, not like something she wrote, but right. just, you know, visiting some old friends in her novel, uh, as she called it. Andrea came into the parlor to tell her that she would help her with dinner, and Carolyn looked from her book to her daughter when a sudden solid blue tube of light shot out of the chimney, snuffing the flames out, uh, and then it turned hard right, came across the room, landing directly in Carolyn's lap, impaling the book she was holding. Andrea and Carolyn both gasped, not grasped, <laughs> gasped in the split second later. The light retracted precisely along the route it had traveled and went back up the chimney in a matter of seconds. Andrea asked her mom if she knew what that was about, and Carolyn was like, I don't know. I'm fine, but I don't know. When the Warrens get involved, Lorraine would say that it was a supernatural plasma manifesting as a theme of cosmic light traveling through space and time and entering a specific portal delivering a message to the occupant's home and while this explanation seemed impossible considering what they had been through they were willing to believe the explanation when we come back to this episode we will be spending some time in christmas but not like a, a great amount of time it's just it's around christmas time when the next event happens that being said guys i hope you enjoyed the episode and uh thanks for listening cover your feet get them curled up because they're coming for you the blue light the woman in the closet all of them bent neck lady it's all happening Bye-bye. bye bye